0: You're listening to Peanut Butter and Jams with hosts Brenda and Geordie on CITR 101.9, exploring local music and local food. Tune in to learn about the best eats and tunes from your neighborhood and a weekly pairing for your date calendar. Warning, the endorsements and criticism expressed during the show are the opinions of the hosts, unless clearly identified as advertising. Put in your earbuds and fire up your taste buds. It's Peanut Butter and Jams. Artists and Our Miss welcomes their 20th anniversary by inviting the public to join them for two popular art events this spring. Event 1 is a free Roundhouse exhibit and birthday party on May 16th. One day only at the Roundhouse Community Center at 181 Roundhouse Muse in Yelltown. There'll be an artist reception from 7 to 10 p.m. and don't miss out on the birthday cake bash at 8. Following up the birthday bash, there will be a free open studios walk on May 19th through the 21st. Studios will be open from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. and to see parties, participating artists and a map, visit the website at artistsinourmidst.com.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Peanut Butter and Jams, and I am Jordy.
2: And I am Brenda.
1: And boy, do we have a show planned for you.
2: I'm so excited.
1: Uh, what do we have planned for this show?
2: Well, we've got tons of local music.
1: As usual.
2: As usual. We've got uh, some debate.
1: Some debate, yes. We are going to be uh, debating an article that came out. I don't know if you good people out there read the Atlantic Monthly or are aware of it, but it's a magazine that comes out kind of in the style of the New Yorker, except monthly instead of weekly.
2: And where is this magazine put together, Geordie? I don't know,
1: New York or something. Anyhow. But so it's
2: an American magazine. It's an
1: American, primarily American magazine. They do occasionally have Canadian writers and stuff in it. They're they're more of a North American magazine, I would say. But um, they do cover a lot of American stuff. Um, but they do they had an article in the last one which uh, we wanted to talk about, which uh, was called Six Rules for Dining Out" by Tyler Cohen. We've both read it. We're going to have a little discussion on it on the air. Um, what else we got planned for the show?
2: Well, we have an interview with Trevor talking about...
1: Talking about uh, Cork and Finn. Very lovely. Yeah, uh, a restaurant that you may or may not have heard of down in Gastown. And um, anything else?
2: No, I think that's pretty much it. We'll have our uh, pairing of the week.
1: Oh, never mind. That was just a bug.
2: Yes, just a bug in Jordy's ear.
1: Um... Anyhow, uh, maybe sometime in the future we will have something that buzzes to yes. talk about, but not now.
2: We do, we do have an interview in the works about urban beekeeping, so stay tuned for that.
1: Do you, you want to hear some watermelon?
2: Yeah, I would like to hear some watermelon. All right,
1: let's do it. listening to Peanut Butter and Jams on CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver and that was Watermelon uh, that song's called How I Came
2: it's also on the LP that CITR released with Mint Records the CITR Pop Alliance compilation volume 2 yes and we still have some for sale so if you want to get a local pop compilation uh, cur- um, curated by Duncan McHugh yes and Sheena
1: Host of Duncan's Donuts. Not Sheena, Duncan. Yes. Host of Duncan's Donuts. Um, Sheena from Mint Records.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, then you can uh, just uh, stop by the station.
1: Yeah, we're open during normal business hours and usually a little bit later.
2: Because we don't get up very early. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, yes, that was Watermelon.
1: And uh, so we're going to just leap right into this, uh, this article, possibly a debate, but at least a discussion. Um, so it's by Tyler Cohen. If you want to take a look at it and uh, read it over well, like we're playing songs or maybe you just think it's interesting for the future, um, if you look up on the Google Tron Six Rules for Dining Out, uh, it's on the Atlantic's website. And it's pretty easy to find. Did you have any trouble finding it? Um,
2: no, no. So yeah, just make sure you're looking at the Atlantic Six Rules for Dining Out, and the article is titled "How a Frugal Economist Finds the Perfect Lunch." Uh,
1: which is basically the premise of the article is that this guy is a he's he's cheap. He's an economist. He so he cares about the finances, finance issues of things, and he's looking for deals, and uh, he. Uh, is also a foodie, so he wants to get great food. He wants to find the best food for the best deal.
2: Yeah, so he's devised six simple rules. So by following these rules, he's found that he can avoid a lot of the pitfalls of dining out.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's basically it. That's, there's not a lot of lot to it. The meat is really the artic- the uh, rules themselves. The first of which is... Uh, In the fanciest restaurants, order what sounds least appetizing on the menu. Which means um, if you're at a menu and you see what, uh, and you're looking at the menu, order the thing that sounds gross. If you're like, why is that on the menu? That sounds awful. That's what you should order, is the premise. And um, the reason behind that uh, being that if a restaurant is good, they wouldn't put something that sounded gross on the menu unless it was there for a reason um and they'll all, also they'll put things that that you're comfortable with so they might put like roast chicken or a hamburger on the menu just because people will order a hamburger and sometimes people will just order a hamburger no matter what it's not necessarily going to be their specialty um what did you think of this this rule brenda
2: i i thought it was very sound advice uh, there are certain dishes, for example, that I really love, but I know no restaurant will actually give me the same experience that I have when my my mom makes it or my grandma, right? So I think choosing those items that you are familiar with is probably the worst idea in a restaurant.
1: I, I agree to a certain point. I feel like certain there are certain things that can, they can just do better. Like I, if I was going... To, it depends on what type of restaurant you're at. Like, if you're at a steakhouse, you shouldn't order the thing that sounds weird on the steak menu. You should probably just order the steak. Um,
2: it's kind of like those restaurants that have like a, a a sort of menu, and then they throw on really familiar things on the side for mm-hmm. those people who don't like anything.
1: I, I think that the the way I would approach this is if you're at a red restaurant that kind of wants to have like does a lot, like a fine dining experience, so there's a lot of different weird stuff on it. Don't order the familiar. They seem to have mostly weird fine dining things, like if you're at Hawksworth and they've got some stuff that sounds particularly interesting and some stuff that you sounds safe, don't get the safe stuff. Get that. But I, it sounds like it, it, this rule would work fairly well in a more fine dining establishment than it would at, say, mm-hmm. your Arby's.
2: It's true. And the rule is is specifically for fine dining. Mm-hmm. Um there is something too about ordering based on your mood. So I'd hate to be like, Oh, I'm gonna try liver and onions just because I'm at Hawksworth you know, whereas you really feel like eating something else that particular day, so how do you how do you alter your mood to, to choose the best item on the do menu? Do you
1: get in a mood for a certain type of food?
2: Yeah, I totally do.
1: I guess I get cravings, but if I was getting a craving and I would just go to the place that could satisfy that I already knew could satisfy that craving. So you're
2: choosing your restaurant based on what your craving is, as opposed to choosing your yeah, menu. Yeah, if I item. was craving
1: like ice cream, I would go to a, a gelato <laughs> place.
2: That is fairly specific.
1: Yeah, or, or but if I was craving, um, if I was just craving, if I was craving anything, I probably would take a restaurant based on that. But if I was craving nothing in particular, then I would probably be fairly open to anything on the menu.
2: There is something uh, about uh, choosing an item that you might not normally enjoy, Mm -hmm. or like a food you don't especially like, and then having the best chefs make that dish exciting and enjoyable for you.
1: Yeah, it makes you really appreciate a dish that you might have never thought of before.
2: Yeah, so I think maybe it could be a good stretch, Mm -hmm. a stretch for your palate. Yes. Is to try and experience the food you don't really like in a great way.
1: So in general, I would say this rule is a pretty sound rule. And seems, I, I, I think we both seem to agree with it with some small reservations. But
2: mm-hmm. That in principle, this is a good idea.
1: Yes. Um, why don't we go to some music and then we're going to come back and we're going to discuss a little bit more. Rule two. Rule it's going to get
2: a bit more, a little bit th- more exciting.
1: A little bit more exciting. Stay tuned. This is Aaron Reed. Um, off of his Bubble Skulls EP. Mm.
0: This month is an opportunity to acknowledge and celebrate the rich history of Asian Canadians and their contributions to our communities. Since its inception in Toronto in 1993, cities across Canada, including Vancouver, have been holding annual festivities to recognize Asian Heritage Month throughout the month of May. CITR will be airing special PSAs to keep you up to date on local events, informative pieces about Asian Canadians in the Vancouver community, and special blocks of Asian Heritage Month programming. So stay tuned to CITR 101.9 FM and logged in to CITR.ca for all things Asian Heritage Month this month of May.
1: And right at the moment, uh, Brenda and I, uh, hosts of Peanut Butter and Gems, have been discussing um, the six rules for dining out that uh, came out in a recent issue of the, or the most recent issue of the Atlantic Monthly. Um, We're on the second rule now, and uh, the second rule is beware the beautiful laughing women. Brenda, do you want to explain this one or?
2: Sure, so the concept in this rule is basically if this restaurant is known for being a social hub with lots of people laughing and trying to impress each other, that it's more of a social hub than a restaurant and that they're paying more attention to their atmosphere than their cuisine. So he basically says, you know, if there's uh, laughing and smiling people full of beautiful women, that you actually want to avoid this place.
1: Now, for pr- from price perspective, that seems reasonable. I've definitely been to restaurants that tend to have more, tre- like, trendier restaurants. And the, price- the trendier it is, the price tends to go up. But I've never noticed a co- decline in the quality of the food.
2: Yeah, I was a little uh, curious about that one, too. He seems like a lot of his rules seem to have two themes. Like, one cheaper is better, and the other is better food and somehow he's correlating cheapness with better food often.
1: Which I don't think necessarily is true. I mean often a place would get become popular because the food is so good.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, the one thing he mentions, too, is that often when they're launching these types of restaurants that they'll get a, a famous or semi-famous chef to, to sponsor it, and he says that the chef is actually paying attention in the first couple months to get onto blogs and sites and good reviews, and then that chef kind of disappears and does other projects. And then he says that the quality of the food will actually decline.
1: So I don't see... Uh, well...
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to know if this is actually happening or is it, if this uh, is, is it, just...
1: Does, does it decline? Did you get the impression that he said it was because it was decline that he thought it would decline because there'd be a lack of quality control after the, sh- after the chef stopped caring about the reviews? Or...
2: It seems like it. It seems like... Plus, they, like, stopped paying attention in the same way.
1: Mm. I guess so. But what if you happen to be... A beautiful, laughing woman who just happens to like good food. Wouldn't you also, like, it doesn't mean that the food would be bad. Or I guess he's just correlating that with there are there are beautiful, attractive, or beautiful laughing women who <laughs> like good food. And then there's also beautiful, laughing women who don't really care about good food. That much and just want a nice atmosphere
2: I think maybe it's more about like why people are frequenting these restaurants are mm-hmm. you going there for the good food or are you going there to socialize right and then that those priorities will also be in in the, the restaurants priorities too like how mm-hmm. are they trying to lure people with food or with like the promise of uh,
1: entertainment
2: a, or social engagement or pickups or whatever people do at the bar
1: do people pick up at restaurants?
2: Well, I think this. Like, be, I mean,
1: some people go on dates at restaurants, more but... More at your
2: gastropub, perhaps. Now... Or, like, to, to be cool, right? I like, just, you're hanging out at the atmosphere. I've never been to Bay, but it seems like this would might be the kind of slice of restaurant that he's talking about.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying there.
2: You know, where you go to be seen and participate in this sort of, um, this cultured cultured it's nightlife. about being
1: cu- cultured in regards to food and mm-hmm. reflecting that as opposed to being as opposed to being devoted to just slavishly devoted to the only the flavor of the food
2: mm-hmm. and it's funny he mentioned too that that uh Quote, he says, uh, you don't want to see expressions of disgust on the diner's faces, but you do want to see a certain seriousness of purpose. So he talks about how he wants to go into a restaurant and see people that are, like, focusing more on the food than the conversation. Now...
1: It sounds like he just doesn't have friends that he goes out <laughs> with and he's kind of sad about that. Like, I don't know. I don't think I totally buy this one because if I'm with friends, even if the food is good, we'll be talking about it and having like a good time as opposed to like just silently chewing mm-hmm. in, in between ordering our our meal.
2: Yeah, I I think there is something about going to that fine dining experience and just savoring every bite. Mm -hmm. And so it's good to, like, take a moment to taste your food. But on the whole, you don't want to go to a restaurant where everyone looks like, you know, they just read War and Peace Uh, by Tolstoy.
1: This sandwich is the War and Peace of sandwiches.
2: (laughs) Exactly. It's
1: 300 pages long. 3,000 pages long.
2: With such depth.
1: Um, Okay, let's move move on. Let's move on to the next rule.
2: Yeah, if you have any opinions that you want to share with us feel free to call in
1: yeah call in or uh, send us an email at uh, peanut butter and jams or peanut butter and jams no peanut butter and jams radio at gmail.com I will bring up the uh, email to see if anything pops up while we're reading
2: very nice
1: uh, so far nothing oh actually we've got no that's about something else I'll tell Brenda about that later um, okay. Rule number three, get out of the city and into the strip mall. Um, this, I thought, was an interesting rule that seemed like it would be very situational. The point being that restaurants in uh, who pay less rent, so restaurants that are not in the city and they are in strip, your strip malls, your suburbs, um, are able to experiment with food more and take more risks, so... You will find more interesting uh, fine cuisine outside of your urban centers, where they have to play it a little bit more safe as food goes, um, for fear of not making the rent. Um, now, to s- some degree, I can see that, it, and but it doesn't. But I think that there's a counter argument. Where, um, if if you care about food a lot, you're you're you usually chefs are aspiring to be in the city as opposed to out in the suburbs or, or your strip malls. What did you think about this, Brenda?
2: Yeah, I think I think again he's sort of correlating quality food with a low cost. So maybe, or maybe he's not correlating. Maybe he's just looking for high-quality, low-cost food, mm-hmm. and this is a simple rule. I wasn't sure about experimental, because it didn't seem like... I understand the rationale that, uh, that rent could be an issue and could force mm-hmm. restaurants to be a bit more mainline, but I don't think about going to the strip mall for an experiment in taste. Maybe some really fantastic Thai food or sushi, yeah. but not necessarily experimentation.
1: Yeah, I feel like the further you get from the, the kind of dining establishments, the less experimentation there is and the more restaurants are gonna go by the old old faithfuls, like your California rolls or your barbecued pork
2: or- I think we're kind of assuming in, in maybe a slightly city fied person way that you know, that people living in the city are more inclined to um to seek out different food experiences.
1: Yeah, maybe we're just showing our biases here.
2: Yeah, so maybe there's tons of suburban people who have a love for food.
1: There is a side note here that says um, the food truck is your friend. Uh, it's a little side corollary he has it he has on it, um, which t- um, the ultimate, which he makes the point that the ultimate low rent venue is a food truck, um, which I tend to agree with, and I re and I see it reflected. In um, the food trucks in Vancouver right now, where they're usually really good at well, some of them I'm not going to say all of them, but some of them are just really good at making one thing. Mm-hmm. Like Japa Dog makes really good hot dogs, or the the brasseries, La Brasseries um, food cart just makes really good chicken sandwiches with gravy on them, and um, like Riot Barbecue, just really great pulled pork sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that. I can see it reflected somewhere there, where they 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 cut they cut th- straight through just to one really good dish.
2: Mm-hmm. They've got like they exist for one reason, and that's to provide excellent pulled pork.
1: Yes, exactly.
2: It's sort of like the short film versus the feature film. Like short films can like they can convey sort of one main idea really well, mm-hmm. and then features uh, if they're not made well ramble. To a long extent and get lost and boring they are much harder to do like a fantastic job at.
1: Yes, and um, in case you think that we are getting uh, long-winded and boring right now, we're going to put on a song and then we're, before we come back uh, to talk about rule, rule number, number three, four. four. What? We already we already we just did rule number three.
2: Oh, geez, sorry.
1: We'll catch I'll catch Brenda up and we'll. Uh,
2: I misnumbered while we're, while the
1: song's playing.
3: Records. CITR 101.9 FM and Discorder Magazine present the Sims Cake Release Party. With guests Winter mitts and Be Off, Friday, May 11th, at the Interurban Urban Gallery. There will be an actual Sims Cake to eat. It isn't just for robots, advanced tickets from Red Cat, Scratch, or Zulu. Time to get down and boogie with Sims Cake, May 11th, at the Interurban Urban Gallery.
1: CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver Hi Brenda Hi Jordy um, that, What song was that? That was by
2: That was Basquiat by Winter Mits off their newly released album Oh boy Ocean Ocean, there we go uh, Winter Mitts, Z- are, Ocean. Ocean They are playing a show this Friday at the Interurban Gallery sponsored by CITR actually and they're opening up for Synth Cake.
1: Oh, which uh, we might play a little bit of Synth Cake uh, later.
2: That's true. And Synth Cake is releasing a new EP. Mm-hmm. And they put a lot of work. Well, I went to their first city release, and there was a there was a freak show. It was all circus themed, and there was a rotating thing on the wall, and yeah, there was someone putting like nails up their nose and walking on glass. It was pretty crazy, and there were snow cones.
1: It's pretty crazy.
2: So who knows? Maybe they'll do something like that here.
1: Let's uh, let's get back to uh, the topic at hand.
2: Let's have, oh, before we do that, oh, what's- we forgot to tell you one of the songs that we played, oh, which yes. is uh, Chains of Love.
1: Which was on before Winterman's.
2: And the song is I'd Rather Be Crying off their album. Go on, Strange
1: Jordy. Gray Days.
2: Perfect. Thanks so much. So, back to the article. No,
1: back to the topic of hand, which is, Brenda and I have been discussing uh, an article called uh, Six Rules for Dining Out, which was printed in the most recent uh, issue of The Atlantic. And uh, we are going over the rules one by one and debating their merits. Um, so, what was the next rule?
2: Admit what you don't know.
1: Okay, that seems uh, like a reasonable rule. explain it.
2: Sure. So, it talks about how when you want to ask people for their opinion, which is a good thing to do in a new city. He says, instead of uh, Googling on Yelp and finding the most stars, you should go and look for people that love food and take pride in food. Uh, He suggests people between 35 and 55 because they eat out a lot. And he says, look for people who can afford to go out or people who are geographically mobile and ask them where to eat.
1: I honestly had nothing to disagree with about this section. It seems so straightforward. Just if you want to know places that are good to eat, ask people who eat out. <laughs> I don't know.
2: But how do you know who eats out?
1: I guess that's true. I feel like he could have gone into more detail there. Um, like how to like but I guess he did talking about people between the age of 35 and 55, which I think is I do not fit into. Yeah,
2: he, um... <laughs> what? Oh, are you... Oh, well, soon you will. Soon you will, Jordi. Uh Do you eat out a lot?
1: Seven years. <laughs> I, I, you know, I eat out probably at least once a week. Usually, yeah. a little, usually a little bit more.
2: Yeah, I eat out a lot. Not necessarily for the purposes of eating out, but for eating in between. For the purposes
1: of eating. E- in yeah. between
2: the various pieces of my life. Uh, he was a bit specific, uh he uh, recommended asking firefighters and actually driving to the fire station to ask them their opinion. It
1: actually seemed overly specific.
2: Yeah, it was funny cuz I thought firefighters actually spend a lot of time cooking themselves, which means that they would appreciate good food but not necessarily be out and about because of all the fire. Yeah, so I guess they so would be about fire. Yeah. With a yes. Yes, exactly. Well, that's all they do, right? When they sit that the there's a huge pecking order about fire food fighters and like who gets to cook. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow,
1: well, we should.
2: We should interview a we firefighter. We should interview a
1: firefighter. This sounds really interesting. Because um, there's a
2: couple of firefighters I've known, there's actually like a pecking order and they spend a lot of time cooking. But he also mentions cab drivers getting back to the topic at mm-hmm. hand and regional textbook salespeople.
1: Because, you know, I work with a regional textbook salesperson <laughs> and I'll have to ask her.
2: Yeah, I wonder if you're always traveling though, then you'd be in the circumstance where you're always having to look for good eats and not necessarily the person on the ground who knows where those eats are.
1: That's true. you It feels like if you were a regional textbook person, you might occasionally stumble across one, like if you're or a traveling salesman of any sort, or business person, you might find... Or
2: Avon the, lady.
1: You might have a shallow knowledge of a lot of places and you might just eat places that mm-hmm. that you're comfortable with and not spend a lot of time exploring because to you don't have enough time you could get lost like
2: yeah it's true i think he had two other really good tips um one of them was if you ask people for a food tip and their eyes don't light up with excitement ignore them
1: yes that seems like a good one if someone says
2: oh well
1: um yeah there's a place place down the corner that has food
2: Yeah, Yeah, no, no, ignore that that person. You want to wait till they're like, oh, you have to eat here. It's my favorite. Yes. Yes. And the other thing he said was uh, try and avoid uh, bland Google inquiries, make them more specific, and Mm -hmm. then you can kind of uh, rustle up the places that less people go to, which is good because we all know that when our... For example, peaceful noodle was on the diners and yes. dives. Yes, now I.
1: Whenever I pass it on the bus, everyone's there's always someone who says, not always, but like often, someone who says, "Ooh, that place was on diners, dives, and."
2: I know, and I used to love going to Peaceful Noodle. Now I can't because the lineups are too long. I haven't found it
1: to be that much busier Really? before. I don't know. I've still gone and grabbed some food there a couple times. But anyhow, let's move on to the next point. Yes. Which is, uh, I think, probably the most controversial point (laughs) in the article, which was exploit restaurant workers, um, with the point being that you should go to a place uh, where they have they seem likely to underpay or not pay their employees a proper wage, such as a a family restaurant where everyone's kind of expected to put in their time as a waitstaff to help out, or um, uh, people that hire illegal immigrants who are willing to work for a criminally low wage, um, and avoid places that have lots of staff because a lot of the costs the food will just go into paying those staff like if they have a valet who parks your car and someone who takes your coat as you walk in the door and then two hostesses who like do a hand secret handshake while they take you (laughs) from the doorway to halfway to the table and then the rest of the way to the table
2: and and put up your coats and mm -hmm. all that stuff
1: and uh well i do think that sometimes it can be a bit of a waste to, uh, like at, at the high ends of like of waitstaff, there's just too many people around, and you don't need that. I don't really support uh, exploiting restaurant <laughs> workers as
2: a principle.
1: As, as a principle, um, but I don't understand why he thinks the food will be better at these places. Or was this purely an economic point where they will pass the savings on to you?
2: Yeah, what I did th- you think? Yeah, I think I, I have similar concerns. Uh, it talks about the family-owned, family-run Asian restaurant where family, you know, all the staff are part of the family and don't get a wage. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the food is better. It just means that it's cheap.
1: Yeah, it just kind of seemed like a good way to find cheap food. Uh, I guess that's fine if you don't mind it. I mean, I never ask. If I'm at a place that looks like it's family-run, I don't ask my waitress, are you getting
2: paid? (laughs) (laughs) Or if they're, like, 14 and cashing you out at the grocery store. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't dine out at the grocery store. I usually take my food home from there.
2: You're right, you're right. But, you know, a similar case of, Mm -hmm. of the teenagers in the family working and maybe or maybe not getting paid.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't... I wouldn't support exploiting workers if I knew that it was going on, but I tend to turn a blind eye if I don't know that it's going on, so I don't know, I just look look for cheap deals, I guess. Mm -hmm.
2: Like, ultimately, in a fine dining experience, you are paying for all the creature comforts Mm -hmm. at the same time as your food, so yes. Mm -hmm. The percentage of 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 money is actually investing into the food as opposed to the decor and the staff. Yeah, you could make a case, but you know, there's such a huge margin on top of the actual price of the food that's supposed to be for the expertise and the chef and the Mm -hmm. ingredients.
1: And if you look for, if you, if you're really concerned about the price, you can just look at the price of the menu. And before you sit down, (laughs) It's true. I I don't know. It seems this rule seems kind of more of about a way that a business could make their food cheaper, as opposed to something beneficial to me as a diner. Um, we've got one more rule. Do we want to do that now, or do we want to go into some music?
2: Let's play some music.
1: All right. Let's play uh, let's play something by Hermetic. Um, this song is called Preventative Arrest. And it is from Hermetic's new album, Civilized City, which you can find on on Bandcamp and possibly your friendly local uh, music retailers. Mm
3: Mm-hmm.
1: No marketing, just good tunes. Refreshing, no? And welcome back. Brenda and I have uh, been discussing uh, an article that recently came out in the Atlantic called Six Rules for Dining Out. Um, It has been... The longest discussion we have had on this show, has it not? Yes. And the longest
2: continuously themed discussion.
1: Yes. And we are going to wrap it up right now by talking about the last rule um, in this guide. Uh, this guide for finding uh, good deals and good food. Um, and this rule is prefer Vietnamese to Thai. <laughs> Uh, Did you want to explain this one?
2: Sure. Uh, There's a lot more in this section than some of the others. Basically, it says that since Thai food is so popular, try choosing um, a cultural food in specific Vietnamese that is less popular and therefore likely to have good tasty bites at a good price.
1: So why did he say Thai food would be bad because it's popular? Or does he, is the implication that Thai food, because it's just so inherently popular, there's a lot of people who will do bad Thai food because they know people like Thai food and will go buy it?
2: Uh, he seems to say that since there's so many Thai restaurants, they're unreliable. So you get bad ones and good ones. So it's, it's more of a risk. This
1: rule seems to be the opposite in Vancouver. Really? Well, I don't know. Well, not necessarily the quality of the food, but of the the sheer quantity of restaurants. There's, Aren't there more Vietnamese restaurants in Vancouver than Thai restaurants?
2: It, it makes sense. Pho is a big thing here.
1: Pho is pretty big here. Yeah. Um, and this might be a regional... Specific, he is an American writer, and I got the impression that he's from New York. Um, which may just have a large Thai restaurant thing going on, but we don't do we? Like I can't think of nearly as many Thai restaurants as I can think of Vietnamese mm-hmm. restaurants.
2: Yeah, and it, it might be you might be able to compare sushi. Like in sushi in Vancouver is everywhere, right? And it's cheap, but is it going to be good?
1: I would say that it is reliably good when you have a clumping of. He, he makes this point somewhere in here, but if you have a clumping of like a, one type of ethnic food, the bar is raised for all of it. For example, if you, if you live in a town that has one Indian restaurant, it's probably and that's it, that's the only Indian restaurant in town. that's probably not going to be a great Indian restaurant. But if you live in a town that has 16 Indian restaurants, they're all going to be competing with each other, and the quality will be. they'll have to push, they'll push each other's quality up. And I think the same thing has happened in Vancouver with sushi. I would say that the sushi in Vancouver, just that that we could go, we could get good sushi walking into almost any sushi restaurant.
2: Because it's so competitive. Because
1: it's so competitive here. There's so many different sushi restaurants that are trying to uh, make their mark, and I, I think that that kind of, I I don't know, maybe the. That not defeat his point? Like, if there's,
2: yeah, he that's it's that's sort of a counter argument from another section of his paper that contradicts what he's saying here.
1: Yeah, he's saying that if there's a lot of competition, then the competition will breed quality, then um, push the entire market of whatever type of restaurant is ah, ah. mm-hmm. up. Um, but at the same time, he's saying because Thai food is so popular that it's bad
2: yeah he gets really specific too about like why Thai restaurants are so great and how because they're so popular that they're becoming uh, that they're making the food too sweet and appealing to the lowest common denominator tastes, so all of this yeah which doesn't really fit in with his other argument, yeah he also compares um he has a corollary that says prefer Pakistani to Indian, so maybe it's just sort of on a Ethnic food choice It's just choose cultures with less.
1: Because you'll get something different, but then yeah. that's gonna, they're going to have less competition, so they won't try as hard.
2: It's all very tricky. I
1: don't know. I don't totally agree with this point. Um,
2: I think yeah, there's it's like six simple rules that can help you make a quick decision.
1: One thing I did enjoy about this is that it got me to think about why I choose certain restaurants, mm-hmm. to pick, which I think is the whole point of this article and why. And like why we, what we enjoy about eating out, what we look for in it. Um, You know, if you've got any uh, comments on this little section that we did or any, you want to express your opinion about the article yourself, if you've read it, um, you can send us an email. uh, You can just find our email on our, on the CITR website. Uh, We and you can also find our podcast there. And I, I believe a link to our Facebook page.
2: Yes. And we'll put a link to this article on our Facebook page so that you can read it, find it, and make a comment if you want to.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Anyhow, should we move into some music?
2: Yes, let's play some music.
1: Uh, You are listening to Peanut Butter and Jams on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. off of their brand new album. If you like that song, you could hear them play it live.
2: On Friday at the Interurban Gallery with Wintermix, who we played earlier.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a pretty great show. Is this our pairing for the week?
2: It actually isn't.
1: It isn't? What is our pairing?
2: Well, Jordy, let me tell you. Our pairing is going to be one of our favorite Vancouver bands, Apollo Ghosts, and they're releasing their new album, Landmark. At Interurban Gallery on Saturday, so you can go to Interurban Gallery on Friday and then on Saturday.
1: Yes, um, that sounds great. The Apollo Ghosts are all do a great show. I saw them play recently at uh, Record Store Day, Record Fair, Re- Record Store Day. At Red Cat. At Red Cat, yes.
2: With Ladyhawk.
1: I didn't see Lady Hawk, but I did see Apollo Ghosts. Nice. And they played a bunch of their new stuff, which was pretty great. Um,
2: they are very engaging live, so I highly recommend that you go.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to play you some of their new stuff. Uh, maybe we might even play more than one song off of their new album, uh, which is called Landmark. Mm-hmm. Um, what, did you want to start with Day of Glory?
2: Sure, let's do that. All right, all right.
1: So, this is Day of Glory off of uh, the new Apollo Ghosts album. And stay tuned because we do have a review of uh, Cork and Finn coming up. <laughs>
2: We're still here.
1: And uh, what uh, did we forget to do with that pairing?
2: <laughs> we forgot to tell you where to eat.
1: Yes. Where should we eat, Brenda?
2: Well, I'm going to recommend a place that I like to go to when I want warm, healthy, satisfying food. Well, maybe not healthy. Um fairly healthy, La Casita is a Mexican restaurant on Cordova Street in Gastown, just a couple blocks away, so we recommend that you start your evening at La Casita, maybe have some Mexican beers, cerveza, some cerveza, and then, uh, yeah, maybe some margaritas,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and then uh, head over to the Inter... Maybe some
1: tequilas?
2: Yes, tequilas. Yeah. Head over to Interurban Gallery to see Apollo Ghosts, uh with openers Aaron Reed, who we played earlier in the show... And Cheering Pinks.
1: Yes, that is a great show.
2: If only that were my Saturday night. If
1: only it weren't Mother's Day.
2: As much as you love your mother and the mothers of others.
1: Yes. Um, Anyhow, we'll live. Uh, You should go for us. Um, We wish we could be there. Uh, But what we're going to do next is we are going to play a uh, a little... A little uh, review uh, by Tri- Cor- uh, uh, Peanut Butter and Jams correspondent, Trevor Gilks.
2: Our newest correspondent. Our
1: newest correspondent, uh, who will be talking about Cork and Finn with uh, me. Here it is. Hi, I'm uh, here with Trevor, and uh, Trevor has gone to Cork and Finn recently. That's true. And uh, he he's going to tell us all about it. Um, what was it like? Uh,
4: it was... Pretty good. Um, it was in it's in Gastown, um, next to uh, Six Acres, same building actually. Uh, apparently, it's formerly it used to be where Blake's Bistro used to be located. Uh, it's sort of like a, looks like basically a house inside. It's got like the brick exposed walls and wooden staircase. Um, seafood. Restaurant uh, Im- implied by the name, yeah. Course that's, true. that's yeah. true. Yeah, actually, raw, raw bar and wine house. I think is what their official tagline is.
1: Oh, it, it like it, it is a raw.
4: It's a raw bar.
1: Mean it's raw food.
4: Uh, you, well, that's what they call themselves. Although a, a relatively small portion of their menu actually was. was is raw.
1: there like can you get like sashimi or uh, sashimi it's oysters? Thing? Oysters. Is
4: their is there specialty? Uh, okay, just the raw. Are part of, this, of the section is they shuck and serve uh, raw oysters,
1: and yes. so it was raw bar and
4: uh, and wine is the other thing. Yeah. Okay. Neither neither which I had. So.
1: Okay, so oh, you didn't yeah. have anything raw or. Wine. I did not
4: have anything raw or wine.
1: Okay. Yeah. Did the wine menu look
4: long? It it uh, was in a whole separate binder, uh, with a lot of different pages in it. So I know
1: very little about wine, so. Um, yeah, I don't really know either. I usually just order like. The sec- cheapest white.
4: I, Eric. correction, second cheapest white wine. Uh,
1: you worry about that.
4: <laughs> you do look cheap. I don't worry about that. If you order the second cheapest, then you can, it may, they may think that you're ordering that for a reason other than just, but if you order the cheapest, they're always going to assume that you're just ordering the cheapest. I
1: always order the cheapest um, because I assume if a bar is charging me $7 a glass, then their $7 a gla- ba- their $7 glass is going to at least be good enough. enough. And they're gonna put they're gonna put a little bit of effort in making their cheapest glass like, at least a good enough like wine like a wine.
4: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you're, you're like
1: I would I would specifically not get the second cheapest wine because I'd be worried that they'd be like he doesn't want to appear cheap. But,
3: okay.
1: like the like the people with me would be like oh he picked this because I think most of my friends if I was going to a bar yeah and I ordered wine yeah. And if I ordered the second cheapest one, they would think to themselves, Jordy doesn't want to appear cheap. Whereas if I ordered the cheapest one, they would just say,
4: well, see, the That's is, like Jordy. If you go in and you say, Give me your least, second least expensive wine, then it'll be obvious. But if you order it by name, then there's all kinds of ambiguity as to why you're ordering it. Don't you memorize the menu before you order?
1: Or, like, think about like, why aren't you looking at the menu when others when yeah, exactly. order? And you're like, Oh, what did they order? Oh, that. And you look at the price. Do you do that? I don't do it do all the time, but sometimes I do. Uh, yes, if I have a menu next to me and I, they order something that's in front of me, I would.
4: I bet, I bet they probably know what the cheapest wine is off the top of their heads, but they probably don't know the whole list. So you order the cheapest one, they're probably registering in your mind that you're cheap or poor.
1: You shouldn't yeah. order wine around me, because I always memorize the bottom like two or three. So then
4: no matter what I order, you're going to judge me on some basis or another. So
1: I would judge you less if you just ordered the cheapest one.
4: But what if I had a reason for ordering the second cheapest,
1: do you have a reason? You don't know that.
4: Yeah, maybe I do.
1: Maybe, maybe. I, based on this conversation, I don't think you do other than to not appear cheap.
4: Well, yeah, you're not the person serving me in the restaurant, so
1: that's true. So you're more worried about the waitstaff's opinion.
4: Well, yes, th- okay.
1: obviously. Okay. Well, yeah, the waitstaff are and the most judgmental,
4: or, and or people that you're with.
1: I I, I would be worried about. Okay, the so thing you're you're, you're, I'm
4: you're, with. you're very analytical, yeah. but I don't think everyone else is equally analytical as you. <laughs>
1: I mean, I think you're, like you're, you're revealing that you're
4: very self-conscious. With you, you're basically revealing that you're screwed no matter what you order because you know exactly everything and how much it costs exactly. Well, I don't, I don't remember so everything. Is, if Jordy, no matter what you order, he's going to judge. He has an opinion on you.
1: Anything be, over like, I would say over eight. Oh, if it's like more than two or three dollars more than the cheapest one, I'm not going to look at it. Unless it's the most expensive one, right? Then I'll also remember
4: that. Yeah, but I don't think.
1: I don't think... No one orders that. I've never been with anyone who ordered the most expensive thing. I think they just put it
4: there just to show. But I think
1: someday... Them. I would like to someday be with someone who orders the most expensive thing on you the You should
4: go in and you should ask for two bottles of the most expensive they have, because I bet they don't have two bottles of it.
1: That would be a classy move if I had a lot of money.
4: Some restaurants, that I think they just have like a bottle like to look good on the menu, mm-hmm. but they don't, probably don't keep it. Anyhow, um, <laughs> moving on. What did you have while
1: you were at Quirk and
4: Finn? Um, well, I ate uh, smoked fish. Um, and a lot of a variety of uh, side dishes were shared between myself and the people that were there. How many people were there? Were there? Uh, I was there with six people.
1: Okay, so lots of sharing went Yeah, on.
4: lots yeah. of sharing went on. So I had a lot of different things. Although none of us had the uh, the oysters, which is according to the restaurant themselves the, the, thing the signature food, dish. The signature dish, which right. I didn't realize at the time. Um, but, but they just did serve
1: them raw. It's just raw. Dish. They
4: did serve them raw. Yeah.
1: I mean. Yeah. I like raw oysters, but...
4: I think that's generally the way it's done. Yeah. I
1: think they're kind of the same. If I get a raw oyster at one place, it's not going to be that
4: much different um, than a raw they, oyster they somewhere the other. they? They do have different uh, seasoning options for the oysters. Though. Okay.
1: Um, so it is a little bit different, then. What, what are the options?
4: I don't remember there, actually. I, I, know, I noted, I wrote down that there are several. That's all I, okay. I wrote down.
1: Is it kind of like salt and pepper? Or like, like you can get a spicy option? Uh,
4: they had sauces for them.
1: Right. Yeah. So it's mostly sauces. There's nothing that involves cooking or. No, no, no. They're all, they're all raw. Or marinating or anything
4: like yeah, that. They're
1: all, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all raw. just a little bit of a splash of whatever. Yeah. yeah. Basically, yeah. Okay. Um, so what did you have in the side dishes?
4: Um, side dishes, we had uh, crab mashed potatoes, um, Brussels sprouts with bacon, and lobster salad are the options.
1: Was there anything that you had that was particularly exceptional?
4: Um, The fish, which I had, was very good. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was your main? That was the main one, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, It was like really uh, creamy, Mm -hmm. uh, poached in milk, according to the the, uh, menu. Mm -hmm. Um, It was really soft uh, and very extremely rich uh, and a lot of... It didn't taste very fishy, which is usually what I don't like in in smoked fish. Um, Was it smoked? It was smoked, yes. Or poached. Uh, po- called, po- poached is not smoked. It called it, it the recipe. I and mean, the thing on the menu said smoked sable fish, but the the description of it said poached in milk.
1: So, it might have been a smoked fish that was then poached. Yeah, I don't know exactly how they did it. Because you can cook a smoked thing.
4: It didn't. It didn't taste very smoky, but it, okay. it tasted very good.
1: The milk might have kind of cut the smoky flavor yeah. out of it a little bit. Yeah, probably. Yeah.
4: and it had a mustard sauce, uh, which was very good as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Um, who would you recommend taking to this kind of restaurant? Um, more of a day restaurant, more of a group restaurant. Yeah, for anything.
4: Year? Anything really.
1: Would you bring your kids? Uh, and not a kid, I know Not that a you kid's have kids. Not a kids but, restaurant. Yeah. Okay. I'd say
4: it would be inappropriate for a children's birthday party. Okay. They would be very disappointed.
1: <laughs> they would just say, where's the giant person in a mouse suit."
4: Yeah, and they would complain about the food. i, I, I imagine. especially the portions. Uh, they would probably complain about that
1: and the lack of, you know, small portions. Then. Yeah, um, almost everything.
4: Yeah, basically everything. Uh, they 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 divide the um, the main course sort of into three sections. There's a cold and a there's cold and hot, and then there's like a raw section basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're like fifteen to twenty each, um, and they're about the same size as the side dishes. Right. Uh, which is not very not very big. It's more uh, size wise. Would, I would say it's more tapestry style. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of what you get, right? Um, but the prices would suggest that you would get a lot more. Uh, so
1: good food, but a little bit pricey? Yeah, yeah, basically. So make more if you're trying to impress the uh, I would
4: say, yeah, well, not necessarily pricey, but just less, just small portions. Right. Yeah.
1: Okay. So not if you're super hungry. Yeah, exactly. Go exactly. to get spaghetti factory well, right
4: next to, to it. Yeah, you'd probably end up treating it more like a tapas restaurant than like, a, like an entree. Mm, right. Yeah.
1: Um, would you go there again?
4: Uh, yeah, I would go there again. Yeah,
1: uh, would, would you choose it over over other
4: restaurants? Oh, it depends what the other options were, but probably.
1: If, if you were. Uh, what, if let's say you picked the, pick the options.
4: Uh, if it was someone that I was trying to convince that I was a classy person, I would probably pick it.
1: Okay, that's, yeah. that's a good, good uh, value, like a yeah, good descriptor the, of the restaurant.
4: And order the third cheapest wine.
1: <laughs> I probably wouldn't remember that I mean, one.
4: You've opened my eyes to how judgmental people can be.
1: I am amazingly judgmental. Yeah, so I yeah.
4: have to step up my game a bit.
1: Uh, well, thank you for telling us about this, Trevor. Um, and, and honestly, if you think the person's less judgmental than me, you can probably get away with even ordering the cheapest wine. Just order it by name. Don't order it by the, by the price.
4: Which yeah, well, I'm going to stick with the second cheapest. Unless there's a big jump between cheapest and second cheapest.
1: Yeah, OK. It's fine. Then I mean, I, it's usually just a dollar. So. Yeah,
4: I think it's worth a dollar. Yeah. The off chance that they're just looking at the cheapest one and thinking, if he orders this, you know, I'm not friends with him anymore.
1: I don't know if people would do that. You never know,
4: Jordy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's true, you never know. Um, if you are interested in checking out more of Trevor's talking, but in word form, uh, he has some blogs on the internet that you might be interested in. Uh, every Woody Allen com and every Steven Seagal movie.com. Thank you for talking to us, Trevor. Become a friend of CITR and get great discounts in the Main Street area at
2: Antisocial Skateboard Shop, Devil May Wear, Flaming Angels Boutique, Lucky's Comics, Neptune Records, Red Cat Records, the Regional Assembly of Text, Rx Comics, Temple of the Modern Girl, and the Wallflower Modern Diner.
1: It pays to be a friend of CITR. To learn more, come visit us in room 233 of the sub on UBC campus or check us out online at citr.ca.
0: Have you heard of the newly opened NSCS Discovery Restaurant at 1515 Discovery in Jericho Park? Profits support NS Culinary Education Society of BC. Enjoy breakfast on the beach for only $4.95. Serve daily from 7 a.m. till 11 p.m. Say you heard this ad and receive 5% off lunch and dinner items until May 31st, 2012. Enjoy breakfast, lunch, or dinner at the newly opened NSCS Discovery Restaurant at 1515 Discovery in Jericho Park and support a local social enterprise.
2: Really? Both websites?
1: Yes, both. Um, com and everywoodyallenmovie.com. You
2: written. need to explain this.
1: Um, so... Uh, Trevor, who just uh, did the piece on Cork and Finn, uh, had a uh, hankering to be an expert on Woody Allen. So he started a website for every Woody Allen and he has gone through each one and written fairly in depth reviews of each movie as he watches them in order from start to finish. He's at pretty. He just reviewed, like, Scoop, so he's almost caught up. Um, and, but then about halfway through it. Who thought he was becoming too serious, so <laughs> he started everystevensegalmovie.com. Um, and in that, he just did Exit Wounds, was the last one I remember. And uh, so he's getting caught up in that, too.
2: How many Steven Seagal movies are there?
1: Not as many as there are Woody Allen movies.
2: Yeah, I was thinking so.
1: <laughs> but there are still some. There's uh, he, I don't know. I think there's like...
2: Just what, enough 20? to balance oh, him out from where he
1: 20. I don't know. Check, check out the website. It's really okay. funny. I will do that. Um, what should we do now? Should we play another Apollo Ghost song?
2: Yes, please. All right.
1: So, what's this one called?
2: This one is called Violet Margaret.
1: Violet Margaret by Apollo Ghost off their new album, Landmark. The girl I
5: knew at the factory was trying to hit onto me. I was sure that she loved me so much When she cornered me in the bathroom stall And asked if I want to kiss her I said that I couldn't kiss her She didn't understand English And that's all that I could have said But all of us Have got to be kind to the lust And I couldn't love her I couldn't love her like that. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
3: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
5: Bye-bye. The boy I knew in the factory was trying to get onto me. I was sure that he loved me so much when he cornered me in the bathroom. Asked if I want to kiss him I said that I couldn't kiss him He didn't understand English That's all that I could have said But all of us Have got to be kind to the lost
1: Our show.
2: I know you're really sad about that.
1: I am really sad. Or were you talking to the audience? Everybody. Everybody.
2: Everybody's really sad. We're all really sad. Except that we're all really hungry, too.
1: Yeah, actually, we, Brenda and I were talking about how horribly timed our show is, because it's right at dinner time, and we're always starving by the end of it, because we spend the entire time talking about food.
2: And even, you know, even if we can grab a bite, it's not going to be a good bite. It's going to no. be like crappy pizza. Uh, although the pizza's pretty good downstairs, but still I like
1: Power Squared. But yeah, we should we should think about getting something something good to eat. Yes. Okay. Um, Darren Gully is coming up next with some stereoscopic readout. He has some music planned, although he was he was being coy about what it would be. So maybe it's all surprises.
2: Surprise. Surprise. But regardless, he does a good show and just came back from Austin. But I think you heard about that last week. Yeah. He went to the Psych Fest.
1: Uh, coming up after that
2: is Live from Thunderbird Hill hosted by Ben Lai and Company. And there's probably a live band playing, but we're not sure who it is.
1: Oh, we should have asked Ben.
2: He's in the other room. But yeah. we have to talk.
1: We have to talk. Or we could play a song. We have three minutes.
2: Yeah, let's play another Ghost song.
1: You want to hear another Ghost song? I do,
2: because I love them so much. Not only are they great people, but uh, I just find their songs tell such great, interesting little stories.
1: What's, what song do you want to hear?
2: And there's a lot of tempo changes, so it's always interesting because like, the narrative is always changing. Uh, have we heard the the USA song yet?
1: I'm in love with the USA?
2: Yeah, let's play that one. All
1: right, let's do it. Ben, and uh, the band on tonight by uh, an amazing stroke of coincidence... We are
2: so full of coincidence.
1: ...is Hermetic, who we played a song by earlier. Uh, The song was... It was a while ago. It was called something...
2: It was called Preventative Arrest. Yes,
1: that was the one. It was Mm -hmm. off their new album.
2: Yes, so you'll probably be able to hear all those songs live tonight.
1: Yes, if you want to tune in after Stereoscopic Readout at... Nine o'clock. Nine o'clock.
2: Usually, bands go on around ten. Sometimes So they go on a little bit early. It depends on
1: how long it takes them to set up. Um, but we're just gonna put some music on. Uh, this is gonna be se- this is Sex Church, and uh, Darren will get the show started as soon as he is ready. Yeah.